listen, just stop and listen for a moment. If you'll just give me one more week, Issachar, I'll have your money for you, I promise. I've heard that lie before. I am not lying, I will pay you. When you borrowed the 10 denarii, our agreement was that you would pay me by today. Isn't that so? Yes, it is. Well, today is here, and you have no money. That makes you a liar, Daniel. Please understand, my wife has been ill, and, and business has been so poor since Pilate became governor, we're barely surviving. I'm sorry for your troubles, but they have nothing to do with our agreement. I know that. I understand that. You just have to be patient with me. Do I look like a patient man? No. I mean, yes. Yes. Oh, just stop your rambling, Daniel. How do you propose to take care of this situation we find ourselves in? Right now, I have a vineyard full of grapes that are ripening on the vine just as we speak. It's going to be a bumper crop, and I know it's going to bring a good price in the open market. They just need a little more time to fully ripen. How much longer? Three or four days, a week if the weather's poor. All right. You have one week. Thank you, Issachar. But you will pay me 20 denarii instead of the 10. What? Why, that could be the profit for the whole crop. We need that money to get through the season. It's your choice, Daniel. Either pay the 20 denarii or go to prison. It's up to you. You know, I have no choice. You'll have your money within the week. Wise decision. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning, Daniel. That was cruel, Issachar. That? was business, Rachel. Could you have shown him no mercy? No mercy? I gave him an extra week to pay off his debt. An extra week to pay you 10 more denarii. Again, Rachel, it was business. I deserve that extra 10 denarii. I pray to God that you never get what you deserve. This conversation is over. I am a businessman, and I don't expect a wife to understand why I do the things I do. I do understand why you do the things you do. And it breaks my heart. Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to Troy United Methodist Church. Yeah, you can, we can say thank God for that. Uh, what, what you, I, I want to let you know what, what it is that you just witnessed, though. You just witnessed one scene, uh, kind of a, really close to an opening scene. Thanks, guys. Uh, uh, close to an opening scene of a production that we at Troy United Methodist Church are going to put on uh, next Easter season. Uh, we were kind of planning on it uh, being this year, but the way casting uh, worked out and just the timing, uh, we we're, we're decided to do it next year. But we wanted to wet your taste buds a little bit. So uh, uh, prepare for that. And the theme uh, for that uh, really 
really lines up well with today. Um, in fact, uh, just a side note, those new connection cards, um, if you're interested at all and you feel like God has gifted you for uh, performance or acting, uh, something along those lines, we, we would love to hear that and uh, find uh, little opportunities here and there for you to uh, share your gifts uh, with the rest of the church that way. So definitely mark that on the back of your connect connection card. Uh, but but uh, that, that theme uh, really fits in well today. We've been in this series that we've been calling Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. Uh, all of Jesus' teachings, almost all of them, are, are really challenging. They're not the easiest to implement in our lives. But the last couple of weeks, we've identified uh, some of those that are particularly difficult for us. Last week, we wrestled with the words that we wish Jesus never said out of John chapter 8, go and sin no more. And, and to make it personal, um, everyone was, if you were here last week, everyone was given a little a blank sheet of paper. And I encouraged us each to write down the areas of our lives where we felt like when Jesus speaks to our hearts, go and sin no more, that, that we feel like we're being particularly convicted in. Uh, so, so uh, many of you did that, and, and you left them behind as a part of your offering, really symbolically uh, representing uh, handing them over to Jesus, realizing that he stepped in, he interceded on our behalf, um, so that, uh, and, and really received the condemnation that we ultimately deserve. And uh, just so you know, on Monday, when I got into the office, my mailbox was just full of these little uh, folded up, very neatly, tightly folded up pieces of paper that, that were left behind uh, for me. And, and uh, including those uh, from dinner church, uh, uh, you participated too. Uh, thank you for, for doing that and uh, welcome. I hope you're enjoying your meal and, and uh, this, uh, this message tonight. But I, I, I prayed over all those on Monday. Um, I prayed over uh, every single one of them, read through them, and just asked for God's uh, spirit of forgiveness to pour out into our lives, as well as his, his spirit of, of power to give us uh, the, the courage to live for him and to combat the, the areas of brokenness that are in each of our lives. And I can just say as your pastor uh, that, that reading and, and praying over those, I, I was moved. Um, it was a reminder to me just how much stuff um, each of you, each of us is going through in our everyday lives. And I was reminded how much we need Jesus and, and how much we need his spirit to bring hope and healing to every area of our lives. And I truly believe that, that the more of our hearts that we give over to God, and the more grace and forgiveness that we receive, the more we, we recognize how much he, he loves us and has given his life for us. And the more wholeheartedly that we follow him alongside one another, then, then mountains can be moved in each of our lives. Uh, and, and really, uh, this, this world can be transformed. Um, so thank you for opening up your, your heart that way. Uh, please do not give up pursuing God and the, the fight against uh, the areas of brokenness in each of our lives. It is, it is so difficult, but so worth it. Um, you know, something struck me about these lists, though. Uh, there are, 
uh, approximately 200 uh, of these papers that I received. And, and the, the list includes several areas of brokenness. Probably the, the one that I've read the most was uh, just a difficulty we have in overcoming our judgmental attitudes. Uh, that we, that we, oftentimes we put ourselves in a position of standing in judgment over others. Um, uh, but, but some confessed gossip or a heart of unforgiveness or um, impatient, uh, impatience with our, with our kids. Uh, some mentioned specific struggles with uh, drinking um, uh, or a general attitude of selfishness. And then, then there were plenty that, you know, almost all of them you could categorize into one of the, uh, the, the seven deadly sins. Uh, I don't know if you've, you've heard of that term before, but um, uh, they could have been categorized into areas of lust or laziness and, and, and procrastination, anger. Um, uh, overeating or, or excess gluttony, uh, pride, um, even a, a jealousy and envy. Um, but what was maybe not so surprising to me is that there was only one particular sin from the seven deadly sins that, uh, that wasn't mentioned more than once. In fact, the, uh, six of the seven were mentioned multiple times in some form or fashion. Uh, multiple times. But, but only one single person wrote down that they struggle with greed. It's one person. Oh, a couple people got close with, um, sometimes I, I spend money on things that, that I really don't need. Um, I, that was close. <laughs> uh, so a credit given. But, um, but I think it's fairly, to say, fair, fairly safe to say that when it comes to greed, the vast majority of us think that that is someone else's problem. Um, and my sense is, if Jesus were to look at our American Christian culture today, that, that that might be his biggest critique of us. That that we're completely and totally blinded to our own greed. We think that we can serve and love God uh, and at the same time live whatever lifestyle suits our income and desire. Whereas Jesus would say that a materialistic Christian is an oxymoron, um, it's become the norm, I think, for American Christians. It sure would be a whole lot easier if Jesus never said in Matthew chapter 6, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the, and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, the word uh, translated as money in this passage is actually the, the Greek word mammon. Uh, in fact, some of our English translations keep that word, keep th that word mammon in there. And uh, uh, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Mammon refers to um, earthly goods or wealth. So for our day and age, money is a, is a fair translation of that word. Uh, but when Jesus uses the word, it's clear to him that, that it represented a counterfeit God, a, a rival with the one true God uh, for, for our heart's allegiance and our heart's affections. Uh, that's, that's why Jesus taught about money and possessions more than any other subject matter except for the kingdom of God itself. Um, why? Uh, because of all the vices that grip us, all the many things that we see or don't see at work in our lives, greed hides itself 
from our awareness. When you lust, you know it. When you're envious, it's, it's pretty obvious in your heart what's going on. Uh, if you're committing adultery or killing someone or stealing from someone, it's clear cut what's going on. You, you know that's what's happening. But when it, you are greedy, the, the greed actually keeps you from seeing that you're being greedy. That's kind of the way that it works. Uh, well, uh, and how is that? I, I want to take a look. I think Jesus explains how that is um, in the, the broader passage here. So I want to take a little bit of time looking at this. Uh, uh, this, this section um, kind of starts a few verses before the one I just read in verse 24. Uh, Jason and Heather uh, read it earlier. It kind of starts in this uh, verse 19 where uh, Jesus is teaching about the treasure principle. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Store up Instead, treasures in heaven. Uh, where, where your treasure is, there the desire of your heart is going to be also. Um, and then uh, soon after that, uh, after his teaching about uh, not being able to serve both God and money in verse 24, Jesus teaches us um, uh, about worry and says, D don't worry. Don't worry about the clothing that you wear and uh, God, God will provide. And he says in conclusion to this section, he says, seek the kingdom of God above everything else. Seek God's kingdom first, and then all of these other things, live righteously, then everything else will be, will be provided for you. Uh, but sandwiched right in between those two sections, that's the beginning and the end, sandwiched right, right in between are, the, <clears throat> are two bits about money and possessions. Uh, we have this weird teaching uh, that, that seems at first glance like maybe it doesn't fit, but I think it really does. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that. It's some, this teaching about our eyes. Uh, listen, uh, if you would again, uh, I'll just read that section again. Uh, starting with verse 22. Jesus said, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad... Your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, what is Jesus getting at here? I, it, kind of an illustration. I, I think this is some of what he's getting at. If, say you're in a room with plenty of light. So not this room, but, uh, but, but a room with, with lots and lots of light. And if your eye is working properly, it's, it's taking in all of the light, and you are able to see everything that's in the room, all the, all the obstacles, all the things that stand in your way. And, and you can then navigate your body uh, around those obstacles so that you're not stumbling around. Um, what, what, though, what about a person who's, whose eye is not working properly? There could be all the light in the world in the room, and yet it still appears as as darkness. Um, you, you end up stumbling around the room if your eye isn't working properly. Uh, you, you're, you're, it's like your entire body is in darkness. Um, and here's what I think Jesus is getting at. He, he's saying, if you think, what if you think that your eye is working properly, but it's really not? What if you think you're taking in light from around you so that you can navigate and move around in this life, but really you're being fooled and that light that you think you're taking is really darkness? You'll be stumbling around and you won't even know it. 
you'll have convinced yourself that, that you're doing everything the right way, but really you're, you're, you're stumbling. Now, I think what Jesus is saying here is that materialism or greed, it blinds us. We think it's light, but really it's darkness. We're deceived. We're not even aware that our entire perception of reality is, is false. I mean, just, just think about it. Most people, including you and me, um, we don't think we're greedy people. I mean, one, one of us does. One, one <laughs> uh, thinks that, that we're greedy. Uh, nobody else. Uh, we think it's somebody else's problem. And one reason we don't think that we're greedy is because uh, I think, uh, you know, we're comparing ourselves with, with others who are pretty close to our status. When, when we think about money and possessions, we're generally looking at others who, who have more or spend more or make more than, than we do. So, we can easily convince ourselves that, that we don't have a problem because, gosh, look at, look at how little we have compared to them. Well, we don't think that we're greedy because we're looking around us and, and we are always, always able to point to somebody who has more. Heck, even, even people who we consider as being having more and being rich, you know what they're doing? They're looking at their peers and the people just above them and thinking that they don't have that much and that there are so many others with so much more. I mean, we're not comparing ourselves to the 50% of the world that lives on a dollar or less a day or the two-thirds of the world that lives on $2 or less a day. No, we're looking down the street or or at the really nice homes on the golf course at the country club, or we're, we're, we're looking at the, the nice part of town. You know, in some cases, we're looking at folks sitting in the chairs beside us or in front of us. Or, uh, and and, and it's, it's greed that blinds us to that. It's greed that, that darkens our eye spiritually so that we have our own false sense of innocence when it comes to this. Greed and materialism keep us from asking tough questions. Questions like, am I spending too much money on frivolous things? Um, is my lifestyle too excessive or, or should I be living uh, on less and, and giving more? How, how much space do I really need in my home or my garage? You know, should, should I spend uh, all, all this money on, on clothes or coffee or, or can I take it and, and use it to serve God in, in better ways? You know, the problem is we rarely ask those questions because greed and materialism has already just kind of this blanket blinded us. The, the light that we're taking in from our culture in this regard is, is really, it's really, it's darkness. And seriously, when you consider that 70% of the world's wealth is tied up in about 5% of the world's population, largely in the United States, then how is it possible that any of us could say that, that we're at least not partially greedy? Uh, what do you think the rest of the world would say when they look at us? Uh, I think I know what Jesus would say, and it scares me. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. 
So here's the question that I really want us to, to wrestle with in the rest of our time. Um, how is it that we can serve God by making money our servant rather than money being our master and, and leading us around on a leash? Um, uh, particularly since we're not easily aware of our own greed or our own materialism. And, and I want to approach this similarly to the way that I approached last week. I, I really want us to, to take a look at the resources that we have available to us. Uh, we, we have ourself, um, our own choices, our own patterns of behaviors. Uh, we have others to come alongside us and support and encourage us. And, and we have God, the, the truth of God's word and the power of God's spirit at work in our lives. So let, let's kind of look at it from, from those resources. So, so first, uh, uh, taking a look at, at ourself, what can, what can we do differently? I'm sure there are many things, but, but I, I loved how Jason and Heather uh, shared in their story, they shared about their convictions during the Mission 1-8 initiative last year where we really outlined some, um, some opportunities as a church that we wanted to, to uh, step forward in and, and share the love of Christ with our region and our world and, and um, invited you all to participate in that and to help fund it. And they, they, they said, uh, I think it was Heather who said that, that they really wanted to be intentional. And, and they, they, they didn't want it to be an afterthought. They wanted to, to, to really uh, think about it ahead of time uh, with what their giving would be. Uh, making, and making choices to, to manage our finances on godly principles is extremely important, and intentionality is extremely important. Uh, and, and some of those principles uh, within the scriptures uh, include uh, things like the tithe, uh, which is giving God our first and our best. It's like the... the, the the first 10% of what comes to us, we give back to God, is a biblical financial principle. So is uh, uh, saving and being prepared for the future so that you're, you're not caught um, in, a, in a tough position. Um, the Proverbs have a lot to teach us about saving. Um, and, and so the, these two principles at work have led a lot of Christians to follow kind of a, a a rule of thumb biblical financial plan called 101080, uh, which is uh, okay, of the 100% of money that comes in, the first 10 goes to God, the second 10 goes to ourselves for savings uh, for the future, and, and then we live off the other 80%. And, um, and that, that many people have made this their general rule of thumb, including I'd say this is the general rule of thumb for my family, but, but there are a couple of problems that you might encounter even following this, this very biblical. A principled plan, uh, because greed blinds us. Here, here are some of the problems. First, when, when you feel, what do you do when you feel like the eighty percent isn't enough to live on? That's a very real question that, that many of us wrestle with, uh, and and this is often the case in our culture, uh, especially when when giving and saving is is not a, a well established habit in, in our lives. Uh, when when you like the the typical American household spend somewhere between 100 and 110% of your income each year, um, then, then it's, it seems like a very radical shift to jump to living off of 80 of that. And so, so um, you know, some, some questions uh, come up. Um, could, could it be that we're not asking those tough questions because greed and materialism have blinded us? Uh, well, the, the answer to that, that first question is, is, well, if it's if 80% doesn't seem like enough, well, what do we do? Well, we modify our lifestyle. 
That's a simple answer, but a very difficult one to, to follow through on. Either we spend less or we earn more. Uh, spending less means sacrificing certain things that maybe we feel entitled to. And that's a dif difficult choice. Uh, it might mean that we only buy cars that we can pay cash for. Uh, or or uh, uh, taking a smaller vacation or not taking one at all. Or, or maybe even downsizing our home. Uh, the, and if those don't seem like valid options for you, given your financial position right now, then, then we have to ask ourselves, why? Is it possible that, that we're not asking those questions because we've already been blinded by materialism or greed? Remember, Jesus said you cannot serve two masters. On the other hand, what if 80% leaves way too much room for more greediness and materialism. That's a very real reality for some of us too. Uh, what, what, do we feel, uh, what if we feel too comfortable in our middle class or middle upper class uh, uh, lifestyle? I mean, do we feel entitled to live a lifestyle that that 80% can, can uh, give us? I mean, maybe we need to ask ourselves tough questions like, like how can I live a non-extravagant uh, but uh, but reasonable lifestyle, uh, and maybe I need to increase the front end to 15, 15, 70, or 20, 20, 60. It's just important that they add up to 100. I've heard this from accountants. Uh, but, 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 you know, here's the point. Greed can sneak up on us whether we're, whether we're uh, cramped or comfortable. It sneaks into to all of our situations. Are you willing to make difficult choices about your lifestyle in order to serve God by making money your servant? Um, now, what about others? That's, that's self. What, what about others? Um, uh, in what ways might you recruit others to support you in this? A uh, couple, couple ways. Uh, first, since greed can blind us, it's ideal that we have people on the outside of our situation being able to provide some input helping us to see what we cannot see ourselves. Um, the unfortunate reality is that in our culture, that has become taboo when it comes to money and finances, even in our own families. I mean, you may have grown up in a family like mine who never talked about that stuff, never uh, encouraged or equipped or, or taught anything about money except just get whatever you want, uh, whether you can afford it or not. That was kind of the lesson I learned from my family. Uh, and and we, we need others around us. And, and our culture just says no, no to that. But Christians throughout the ages have been a lot more intimate in people's, in, in their business together, just to support and encourage. Uh, I'll just leave that there. Uh, but also when it comes to others, uh, we need to, I think, recognize first and then confess our tendency to judge one another and be jealous of one another. I really think, you know, social media has, has helped us, helped really ramp up the, the judgment and the jealousy, both. And I think we need to confess that. It happens even within the church. You know, I, we compare ourselves to others. I, I wish I could stay home like, like he or she does. Or, or think things would be better if I made as much as them. Oh, I would certainly tithe if I lived in a house like that. <laughs> and, and as a church, we've got to repent for these comparisons and judgments. The, the heart, the root of that, uh, that jealousy and that envy, oftentimes is greed. We want more. 
And we need to repent of that and instead encourage one another and, um, and, and spur one another on. If we're going to compare ourselves, let's compare ourselves to our brothers and sisters in, in uh, Liberia or, or Cambodia or India instead of comparing ourselves to, to people right down the street from us. Um, I think that would bring more light into our eyes and therefore into our hearts than, than the comparisons we tend to make. Um, but finally, how can we turn to God? The truth of God's word and the power of God's spirit to make money our servant rather than our master. Um, here, here's the irony. If you do the self uh, behavioral work and uh, bring others alongside you to encourage you and support in your fight against greed, you, you still end up serving money because it's been all-consuming. It's been your focus all along, and, and, and it will consume you. Instead, Jesus tells us what? He says to seek first his kingdom and, his, and live righteously, and then, and then uh, that stuff takes care of itself. Um, here's, I just want to leave you with this. You know, we all treasure something and we might not be able to identify it, pinpoint it, but we all treasure something. And, and the truth of God's word tells us that if you seek those things first, um, if you treasure them above all else, you might acquire them, you might gain them. But what does Jesus say? He says, it, you'll lose your soul in the process. Um, in, in other words, in the end, you, you end up having to die to purchase that which you treasure most. And unless, uh, and that is unless you treasure Jesus. Because I, I love this. Jesus is the, is the one treasure who actually died to purchase you. It doesn't work in any other treasure. Uh, he died to purchase you. Jesus was the ultimate treasure. I mean, he, he had it. He was eternal. He was he was the son of the father, but when he came to earth, um, you and I, we know what happened to him on the cross, right? I mean, he was, he, he was stripped of everything that he had, all of his belongings, no, no, nothing more. I mean, he, he was even stripped spiritually. He lost all of his treasure. Why? Well, he died for something. Remember, you die for that which you treasure above all else. Jesus, Jesus treasured you and me above everything else. So much so that when he looked at us, he, he must have said, he must have said, if I could just have them, then even going to hell would be worth it. The Bible says over and over again that you and I, we are God's treasured possession. And that he's purchased us at a great price. And you are his treasure. And, and when you grasp that, when you, you grasp the gospel, and, and when your response is to seek him above everything else, then and only then are you free to make money your servant rather than the other way around. And the result is not just that you find freedom from the greed that blinds all of us. I mean, the result is that, that we as a church community, as followers of Jesus, who, who, who are called by him the light of the world, then we can actually be the light of the world, the very hands and feet of God in a world that so desperately 
his longing for hope that only Jesus can provide. And, and before we pray together, I just want to say, um, great job. You know, great job, Troy UMC. I mean, we're not, we're not there yet. <laughs> we'll, never, we'll never fully arrive. Uh, but, but you're pursuing God. You're, you're, you're giving him, in many cases, your first and your best. Um, uh, so many of you have stepped up in, in Mission 1-8 and so many other ways, um, and, and maybe, maybe making some, some pretty significant steps and, and changes of your behavior and your patterns uh, because I, I believe that you want to be the light of the world. Um, and I would just encourage you, keep clinging to Jesus, keep trusting him, keep saying yes to him. It is, it is so worth it. Don't stop now. Keep seeking Jesus. When you do, you, you will be walking in the light and you won't be blinded by greed. Well, let's pray together. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for challenging uh, us uh, with, your, with your word. I mean, Lord, we, we don't want to be deceived. None of us wants to be walking in darkness. We, we want to walk in the light. Uh, we, we don't want to be blinded to materialism and... Um, and we just pray that you would help us see the truth. Uh, better yet, empower us with your Holy Spirit to live in the truth. Uh, we know that it's only possible because Jesus treasured us above everything else. Enough to die for us so that we can walk in your light. And God, I, I just want to thank you for this church family for the many ways that, that together we've taken steps to serve you and not serve money. I pray that you'll help us take more appropriate steps. But we pray that, that Lord, you would open up uh, doors of opportunity to serve you by, by serving others, by laying down our lives for our friends and our neighbors, those that we run into throughout the day. And we just uh, pray that you would show us those opportunities to be witnesses of your love to our surrounding community here and the broader Metro East, even to the ends of the earth. I mean, that's the mission that you've given us. And we pray that by the power of your spirit, that you would enable us to serve you rather than serving our greed and money. Lord, we pray it all in Jesus' name, Jesus who made it possible. Amen. Um, um, I, I'd like to introduce uh, David Roderick, who's got just a, a moment to share with you about um, some opportunities for mission in our church. Thanks, David. I thought it was the mission hour. <laughs> I'll have to cut a little bit here. Now, I am uh, pleased to be here with you this morning to share just a little bit about what our church is doing in missions, what you all are involved in supporting. And a term or a name that you'll hear a lot around here or read about a lot is the Midwest uh, Missions Distribution Center. It's up in Chatham, Illinois. And they are an organization that allows Methodists really from all over the Midwest to share resources and put them on the ground where they're most needed. For example, right now, and, and please be in prayer for all the folks up in Iowa uh, with the floods and, and other areas are getting ready to be hit. And um, the distribution center has already got flood buckets ready, some of them on trucks headed to those areas right now. So they, are, they allow us to be able to serve people, especially through our Mission 1-8 uh, objectives uh, locally, throughout our conference, but beyond our borders as well. And if you would like to know more about 
the distribution center. There's a couple of ways you can do that. I would encourage you to go to their website and just see all the things they do and all the places they send things. But also on May 4th, uh, the spring, we have an opportunity to, to travel there. It's just about an hour away. And they're having a missions day where you can come and discover all the different things they do. Uh, our, our UMW have been there. Our youth have been there. Many individuals from our church uh, go there regularly to serve. And this would be a chance for you to kind of experience what they do and maybe be hands-on involved. So um, if you're interested in that, sign-up starts next week. You'll see more information about that around. Um, those great new cards that Dave uh, introduced today to you, great place to say to us, I want to know more about missions and, and more about that workday or whatever it is and, and communicate that to us, all right? Also, um, we are trying to use the resources that the church gives us. Uh, for example, we were able to donate $1,000 to the Mosaic Pregnancy Center in Granite City when they had a, a, an issue come up that was going to cost them several thousand dollars. And we were able to uh, pitch in with other churches and help them stay in business. Uh, also, we're donating uh, over 25 or around $2,500 to, um, uh, a missions, uh, to the missions of Josh and Lisa Inman, who have been a part of our church in the past, whose family is a part of our church. But they minister in Southeast Asia and do some, some significant ministries over there. And so we are able to help them uh, and join with others to help them on a very important mission. And that happens all the time around here. Locally, uh, people in need we're able to serve, people throughout our, our uh, Metro East area, across our country and around the world. Um, you guys remember we did the food packaging. That was Midwest Distribution Center. Uh, they supplied the materials for that and then made sure it got on the ground in Trinidad uh, when it was needed. So uh, thank you. Thank you for your service and for what you do. Uh, one other area of service in this church that I love uh, is our youth and our children. Uh, our children every year give um, uh, the boxes for Operation Christmas Child. They collect school supplies and gloves and coats and things like that. And I'll tell you what, if, if you ever wanted to find a place to be in ministry, children's ministry is a great place around here to do that. Um, especially our 1045 service is growing, new families, and we don't really have enough workers back there, and you guys are the ones that could stay and help with that. If you have any interest whatsoever in serving in that way in children's ministry, contact Sarah Bone and Steel and just say, hey, I just want to explore possibilities here and see if there's a place for me. Um, you guys are fantastic. All the stuff you do around here. Uh, we filled a dumpster at the baseball fields or the, the, the uh, rec fields yesterday and almost another one in scrap metal out there. So it, it's just fantastic. All the hands and serving that you guys do. And right now I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. And I, I'm not going to mention anything about what we can do because of what you give today. What I want to do is say thank you for what you've given because that's what allows us to minister right here, places like Iowa, places in Africa, South America. You guys are really making a difference, especially when you heed the message that was shared today, and that's sharing your resources for the kingdom of God. Let us pray. God, we thank you for what you provide us with opportunities to do and the way it changes our lives by giving, but even more so the way it can change the lives of those who receive. That's what you call us to do, God to join you in sharing our resources to change our world. Thank you and amen.